0: Welcome to episode eight of Armchair Donkeys. We've got a special guest on with us today. Adam Bledsoe was a quarterback at Colorado from 1996 to 1998. Uh, Adam led us to a come-from-behind victory against the Baylor Bears in 1998 <laughs> uh, after, I believe, Mike Machete was injured in that game. Am I getting that right, Adam?
1: Yeah, he got injured a lot that season. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but,
1: yeah, that was that was one that worked out.
0: When when when, uh, when did you come in in that game? When? Yeah, what what quarter was I th- it?
1: I think it was the fourth quarter. So fourth
0: quarter, and you and you, did you hit Shiv on a long third down to, for a touchdown. Shiv, yeah,
1: yeah. Dino. Dino was the name of the route, double post. Nice.
0: Yeah. Oh, love it. So Shim you, had
1: this. I didn't know I was going to have an intro, so this is all out of the blue for me.
0: <laughs> we got
1: introduce.
0: We got to introduce you to the fans.
1: My career didn't really warrant any sort of an intro. It's not like I won a championship like you guys.
0: Well, that, you know, what? was that in
2: Boulder or in Waco when that happened? That was in Boulder.
0: Okay. Yeah, but, but the only thing I really remember about that game was we wore one of the ugliest uniform combinations in Colorado football history that day. We had the gold yeah. jerseys with the black pants and, and the black helmets. It was it was pretty hideous. Yeah, it was
1: more of like a more of like a khaki mustard colored uh, <laughs> jersey combo. The helmets were dope though. The helmets were cool.
0: The the black helmets were pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, well, so thank well, well, thanks for the intro, Bo. I didn't. I wasn't expecting to have any sort of highlights from my career brought up well, or get. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, re- real quick before we get into our picks this week, um, your older bl- brother Drew was one of the best to ever slang it. Uh, you know, I read an article yesterday that you were at the game when he took that hit against the Jets, and I was. Ro- and that you rode in the ambulance to or to the hospital with him that day. Is that true?
1: Yeah, it is actually. I uh um I just happened to be. I was coaching football at a small college in Pennsylvania, um, about a three-hour drive away. Drove up for the uh, game and happened to be there that that day. It's a rough rough scenario. He was uh, you know they they were having a pretty good. They had a really good team uh, that later went on to win the Super Bowl that year, and uh, they were rolling pretty well against the jets and, and, uh, took a big shot from Mo Lewis and, uh, really, you know, a few people know how close he came to losing his life. I mean, he was in, uh, in a situation where he, he was bleeding out faster than they could replace it in the hospital for several days after that. So pretty dire situation. He was in a lot of pain. He, uh, I, I ended up hopping in the ambulance with him and rode to the, uh, rode to the hospital and, you know, along the way, he lost consciousness before we got to the hospital. And, uh, it was, it was a scary deal, much, much scarier than most people would, would recognize.
0: And he had a, he had a collapsed lung or, and there was blood.
1: He had a, he had a sheared, sorry, I'm gonna mess with the camera here. Make me look even better. Um, he had a sheared artery behind one of his ribs. And so, uh, it was bleeding out into his chest cavity. They poked a hole in one side and were Basically draining the blood into a tank and then recirculating it back into his vein for three days, with the with the hope that it would uh, fix itself, which it often does. But uh, it was a tense tense scenario for a while there.
0: Well, I, I can only imagine uh, how terrifying an experience that was. But do you ever look back at that moment and think about how pivotal it was in sports history?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, more often than I'd like to. I think. I mean, it would. It was a. Uh, uh, you know, kind of a fateful type of thing where couldn't, you couldn't draw it up any differently, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, and then out of that became, you know, the greatest player to ever live. Um, And so it's just, uh, it was interesting to be a part of that and kind of watch it from that perspective.
0: I bet you ever um, had any, spent any time with Tom?
1: Yeah. I used to hang out with Tom when, uh, when he was an undrafted uh, or a, a late round rookie on a, you know, on a pretty, on a team full of some, you know, kind of super ballers. Um, I would hang out with Tom at the front of the bar while those guys would go play cards for big money in the back of the bar and uh, still keep in touch with, I you know, hear from Tom or see him in passing, you know, once every two or three years. And he's just a great guy. He's everything everybody would hope he would be. He's exactly how he's portrayed, uh, super down to earth, normal type of guy.
0: Hey, DG has nothing but uh, great things to say about him. Says he's, he's just a, he's a player's player, so. Yep, salt of the earth. Yep, Love it. 100%. Well, Adam, uh, you and I have been going back and forth sharing plays the last couple of months, uh, so I'm pumped that we could get you onto the show today to offer up a little bit of color on what you're seeing out there this season. And with that, let's jump into it. Both of you guys are looking to take us to Salt Lake City this weekend for your college play. Uh, Bob, yesterday you said the waters looked a little bit muddy this week, uh, but you are a big game guy in college football. You've hit four of your last five college locks, and you're six and one in your last seven college plays. Uh, the Utes are a three and a half point favorite against the Oregon Ducks are on Saturday. What are you seeing in this one, Bob?
2: You know, um, when I muddy was in regards to the NFL lineup, I'm not real happy or excited about any games there. But um, when I was going through the college games yeah i think oregon's really damn good um i think their quarterback's playing good right now they're, they're running back's a hell of a football player and they got some studs on defense U- utah's been a little up and down not as consistent as we used to see them and i know salt lake City's not an easy place to play but um with that being said oregon i mean they're in the mix right now i mean they win this thing out they're in the playoffs so they're, they're playing for a hell of a lot more than Utah is. So the fact I that don't understand teams,
1: how they're underdogs. I don't know either. So the,
2: yeah, the fact that they're getting three and a half, I I love it. I mean, I I know Utah plays tough at home, but there's yeah. I think this Oregon team's got you know when they get it going and they got that speed going, um, they're really tough to beat. And I think they're playing pretty well right now.
1: I feel like they're kind of hitting stride too. That you know the quarterback's playing great. Uh, he had some kind of some question marks early on in the season. O line is playing great. Running backs going through huge holes. They've got Cravon Thibodeau's back, maybe the best player in college football, outright, um, who was very disruptive in the last game against Washington State. Um, they're they're hitting stride. I don't understand this line. I think that's about as close to a lock as you're going to find in college football this weekend.
2: Yeah, the thing that the thing that's crazy to me is that. You know, the kid that plays middle linebacker, I'm blanking on his name right now, but I think he's in Hawaii Tongan Hawaiian kid. I'm not sure who what, but he is a monster. And he's a freshman. I mean, when we were in Eugene with the bus for that game, I was on the sideline. I mean, he's Thibodeau is a hell of a player, don't get me wrong. But that yeah. kid's be that kid's gonna be a stud in the next few years. Yep. Yeah.
0: He's a uh, baller. You know, I I kind of feel like I agree with you guys, and and it just feels like a trap game for some reason because it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I I would, I would probably take Oregon on the money line, but this game this game scares me. Utah's a power football team that plays a similar style style of football to the Stanford Cardinal. If Oregon limps into this game like they did in Palo Alto, uh, I feel like they they could get their clock clean, and for that reason, I'm going to stay away from it.
1: Yeah, I mean Stanford's had Oregon's number for several years,
2: so uh, I'd but. like I'd like to think that the Ducks understand the scenario here, right? I mean they are they control their own destiny. They went out they're in the they're in the the playoffs, so mm-hmm. um, I think they got enough veterans on that team and a, a good coach and leadership that I don't, I don't think they're looking past where this could be a trap game.
0: You just look at how bad Stanford's been this season, and and I have no idea how they lost that game. And, I, and Adam, you're right. Stanford has had their number. They do play more of a physical brand of football. That If you had to find a team in the Pac-12 that plays a similar brand of football to Stanford, it would. I, I'd say that it would probably be Utah, and that's the only reason why this game scares me a little bit. Um, now, this show has been a little bit of a research project for me this year. I've been refining my betting strategy each week. You know, rule number one has been to bet the lesser known conferences. And it's worked out for me in the Mountain West this season where I'm eight and two on the year and I've hit my last six Mountain West plays in a row. That said, I'm not really seeing anything that I love this week. So I'm going to implement a new strategy that was taught to me uh, by my very good friend, Troy. The strategy is taking an unranked home team on the money line who is the favorite against a ranked team on the road. I'm going to stick with the, my lesser known uh, conference rule for this strategy. And I'm rolling with the Liberty Flames, who are a favorite at home against 22nd ranked Louisiana Lafayette. You know, Liberty has competed in every game they've played in this year. They lost in a close one at Syracuse, and they racked up over 285 yards rushing at number 10 ranked Old Miss in a two score loss. The Raging Cajuns, on the other hand, haven't played anybody this season. The money line is minus 200 in this game, uh, but I'm going to tweak that a little bit. The unranked versus ranked rule is to take the unranked favorite on the money line at home. I'm not a fan of giving up minus 200, but $100 pays out $150 on a three-team six-point teaser. So I'm going to move Liberty to plus one and a half points. The undefeated UTSA Roadrunners to plus one at home against UAB. And I'm pushing the Atlanta Falcons to plus 12 and a half at home on Thursday night against the Pats. Now, the Falcons fall into my primetime dog category, and 82% of the bets are on the Patriots in this game. Primetime dogs have been pretty consistent this season, covering 12 of their last 15 games against the spread. But when you have a primetime dog where more than 80% of the money is bet the other way, I like it even more. You know, Bob, you and I were in the MGM suite right next to Mark Davis on opening night of the NFL season. The league has partnerships with FanDuel, DraftKings, and Caesars. We've been talking about the fact that the NFL lost $4 billion last year due to COVID. Well, the gaming industry lost $18.3 billion last year. Uh, if the public is betting against the primetime dog, I'm going to fade the public 100% of the time until this strategy <laughs> stops working. Any thoughts on this, boys?
2: I love it. I love it. It's a little more analytical than I typically get, but, uh, yeah, I love it. I mean, we we rolled it on last Thursday with the Dolphins, right, because we saw 88% of the money was on Baltimore, and, I mean, the Dolphins ended up just kicking their ass, uh, not only covering, but, I mean, beating them out right.
1: The NFL has been a little bit of a uh, roller coaster the last three weeks anyway. There've been a lot, a lot of upsets, a lot of surprises in the last last three weeks for sure.
2: Yeah, I it really, really
0: has. Yeah, love love the primetime dogs, and I love fading the public. And when you got a chance to do that in the same game, uh, I'm hammering it. All right, Lock Adam, lead us into this one. The Colts are plus seven and a half at the Buffalo Bills. The over/under in this game is fifty points.
1: Yeah, so I think you know the great equalizer in Buffalo is always the weather. I checked it out. The weather's not bad in Buffalo this weekend. It's like mid-50s. Um, maybe some light rain, but none of the traditional Buffalo weather we've been looking at. Bills are playing well. Um, you know, I think the Colts are very much a complete team. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, I think, has had seven consecutive 100-yard gains. Uh, he's, uh, I think he's going to be a guy that we're going to see around the league for a long time. Um, just a big, strong back with breakaway speed. Um, excellent offensive line. The Colts have uh, defense is playing well. I think they may have the best offensive lineman in the NFL, Quentin Nelson. Um, I think they're really close to a complete team, just kind of one of those fledgling uh, operations where they're just kind of figuring out how good they could be. And so I think that, uh, you know, I think seven's a lot uh, going into Buffalo and I'm uh, loading up on the Colts.
0: I like that call, like Michael Pittman as well. I've got both Pittman and Jonathan Taylor in my fantasy squad. They started out a little slow. You had Carson with a with a banged up ankle, but um, they've they're one of those teams that week in week out. I think that they can really beat anybody.
1: Yeah, they could. Catch, I mean, it seems like they're kind of catching fire at the right time. You know, it could be one of those wild card teams that goes into the playoffs and has a little run.
0: Yeah. All right, Bob, you're up on the Detroit Lions who are an 11 and a half point underdog at the Cleveland Browns. The over under in this game is 43 and a half.
2: Well, like I said, I didn't love many of the NFL games, but, um, you know, there's something about Cleveland that I just, I just have a bad feeling about them. Right. And we don't know if if Baker's a hundred percent healthy. And I just saw today that Jared Goff may not play either. So, um, when I first saw this line, I was leaning towards the Lions plus the 11.5. I think I still am. Um, I mean, that might change as we get closer to Sunday if Jared Goff's not playing, because I don't know who the hell their backup is. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, I just, I'm not sold on the Browns the way they're playing. I mean, Baker Mayfield obviously isn't 100% because he's not. And the way they got stomped last weekend was just completely surprising to me. So, so right now where I'm sitting, if, if Jared Goff's healthy and or not not healthy, but if Jared Goff's playing on Sunday, I I, I like the Lions plus 11 And, a half. and, and that's a lot of points wins. in an NFL game too, right? I mean that is a lot of
1: points in any any NFL any NFL game. And I think that, you know, like you mentioned, the question marks around Baker right now. You know, when he is playing, it's not it's not a full Baker. And so uh, Yeah, right. I, I love that pick.
0: All right, let's jump to Sunday night. The Steelers are getting six points at the Chargers in SoFi. 69% of the money is bet on the Chargers, uh, and you have what will likely be a 50-50 crowd in this game as, as the Chargers are still looking for that fan base in L.A. I'm going to watch the action on this leading up to kick, but, you know, if you have a chance to fade the public on a primetime dog, I said it before and I'll say it again, I'm taking it every every time, um, so we'll see how the money shakes out, but right now I'm leaning towards the Steelers plus six uh, at the Chargers, who are a little bit sporadic right now. Any thoughts on this one, guys?
1: Yeah, I think the you know the Chargers were exposed a little bit against New England a couple of weeks ago. I think that an experienced coaching staff uh, can confuse and and uh, and disrupt a young quarterback like Herbert. So um, you know that's not. That's one of those games where anything can happen. Um, I wouldn't touch that game, but you've got the analysis there, Bo. So get out. I do
2: You know, I don't. I don't love it either. What have we heard for sure is Roethlisberger cleared. the or We won't know until Saturday with the COVID deal. We have any idea? I have not I, heard.
0: I didn't even look at it. I just looked at the at the numbers. <laughs> I think
1: it's ten. I think it's ten days. It's kind of the standard protocol in the NFL. So he should. Yeah. By that math,
2: he should be back. So, Bo, you don't even give a shit who's playing. You're just seeing who the the what percentage the public has, and you're just going against it, right? When
0: when I try and go based on who I think the better team is, I get smoked. But since I've, since I've been playing primetime dogs and fading the public, I've been lights out. I've hit six games in a row. So until it stops working, you got to roll yep. with it. It's it's like when you walk. It's like when you walk up to a roulette table in Vegas. You don't bet against the ten reds that are hit in a row, right? You. You you play the Reds until they stop hitting. So I'm with you. There's I just I
2: just clarifying that's all.
0: <laughs> all right, Bledsoe, take us to Vegas, baby. The Raiders are plus one and a half against the Bengals. The over-under in this game is 49 and a half.
1: Yeah, I mean the the Raiders are one of those, you know, classic uh, you know, overcome adversity stories. They lost their coach, they lost, you know, arguably their best player, and yet they continue to be competitive. Uh, we have some we have some buff ties there, and uh, I'm I've always been a Raider fan, not the face painting uh, costume ilk of Raider fan, but I've always loved the Raiders. And so, uh, you know, uh, a home dog. Uh, I don't care how you do it. Vegas is a distraction when you travel there. Um, the Raiders are are fighting, uh, you know, standing shoulder to shoulder and fighting. Um, so I'm taking the Raiders in this matchup.
2: I like it. I like the Raiders at home. I think Vegas, they, they, I mean, Bo, like you said, we've been there, Adam, I don't know if you've been there yet, but that stadium. I haven't yet. I've heard it's great. Yeah. The the atmosphere in there. I mean, it's a, it's a cool place. And I think they just, they perform at another level inside that stadium.
1: Yeah. They still, you know, they lost, they lost rugs, but they still have some, you know, some incredible weapons. Oh yeah. I think Waller is the, the, you know, most underrated player in the NFL potentially you know, everyone wants to talk about Kelsey and Kittle, um, but Waller's right in that same conversation for the best at the position in the NFL. So let me I, ask, I, I, go ahead.
0: Let me ask you guys a question on that. Uh, the Raiders pick up Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson, the Rams dump him and then pick up Odell Beckham Jr., which makes absolutely – like you're getting rid of a guy who's a pot- potentially cancerous to your team and you're picking up a guy who – hasn't worked out anywhere that he's been and he hasn't really shown much on the field either. And the Rams just felt like they were, I mean, obviously losing Robert Woods is a tough loss, but they felt like they were trying to make a Super Bowl run. And then after the last two weeks, they just got exposed. Their running defense is non-existent. And uh, I don't understand the front office move of dumping Deshaun Jackson and replacing him with Odell Beckham Jr. Cause that, that was what the move was before Robert Woods got hurt. Now, obviously, OBJ is going to need to play a much bigger role, but um, I don't get that, guys.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a head-scratcher, and it's a head-scratcher why the Rams aren't better than they are. You know, I, I watched the first half of that game. Uh, on, was Monday night, and, you know, one of the picks that, that Stafford threw in the first quarter didn't appear to be his fault. I'm a quarterback, but... So it's always somebody else's fault. But, <laughs> but it looked like a good ball that the guy bobbled and kind of handed to the to the defender for a pick six. So they spotted him 14 points in the first quarter, and that's hard to come back from. Um, but I mean, if you look at the Rams roster, it is about as stacked as any roster has ever been in the NFL, and they're just there's some sort of chemistry problem there, and maybe they figure it out, maybe they don't. Some teams, yeah. some great teams, have a lull in the middle of the season and, and then figure it out. I don't
2: know. Yeah, they, they got so much talent, man. But, I mean, but uh, defensively, hell, they got gutted right up the middle Just this run. Yeah, um, right at them. And then you're right. I mean, they the, the the second pick was a drop ball that fell in somebody's hands. And, the, I mean, at the end of the day, the first pick was almost a punt, really. Right. I mean, right. granted, it was a terrible decision. But still, it, it played out to be like a punt. And they just couldn't. But the Rams, their receivers are dropping balls. I mean, they just – I think they got a little bit right. I think Adam hit the nail on the head, right? There's a little mid-season lull going on right now. I think they have enough talent that they're going to figure this thing out as as the season progresses. But right now, they they, they look lost.
0: Yeah, that that conference uh, at the beginning of the year, I was like, this is by far the best conference in the NFL. The 49ers were, had the injury bug going for the first uh, couple weeks of the season. They looked healthy in that game. They looked good. George Kittle's back. The offense has always run through him. Uh, it's going to be, I mean, once Murray comes back and the Cardinals are healthy, the Rams get all those pieces going. The, and, and now you got Russell Wilson coming back in Seattle, too. That that conference is just stacked with talent. And I think that Seattle's got a pretty good football team as well who who might make a late-season run, and we might see three of those guys make the playoffs. All right, let's go to Charlotte, Bob. The Carolina Panthers are three and a half point favorites uh, over the Washington Football Team. The over/under in this game is forty-three points.
2: Well, I don't have a lot of good reasons for why I'm doing this, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I I'm not sold on the Carolina Panthers, and I think Cam Newton's supposed to start on Sunday um and I I know he's back so there's going to be a lot of energy there but there's just something about the way Washington plays and the way Heineke plays and leads these guys that uh, like I said I don't have a lot of reasons I just like them with the points the way they're playing on both sides of the ball and that Carolina I'm just not sold on so you know if, if you guys got any way to validate what I'm saying, jump in on it and help me out. but um, this might be just a, a, a heart bet this is not me digging into the the public and all of Bo's you know anecdotes that he brings to the table of why we're doing it. but it's just, yeah, it just seems like
1: seems like Washington's just one of those teams that's just plugging away, you know kind of quietly becoming one of the better teams in the NFC and nobody's talking about them. Um, Carolina, you know, you're trading trading for a new quarterback in the middle of season. I mean, that's that doesn't sound like a program that's on its way up. So, and like you said, this is a muddy week in the NFL. was hard to pick. There weren't any glaring, um, you know, absolute right. locks. Unless you go by the data like Bo does, you know, and then you can pick them out. But uh,
2: no, I think that's I think it's as good a pick as any this week. Those 100%. guys rallied behind Heineke, man. That kid, they do plays his ass off, and they all rallied behind him.
0: Yep. Uh, I like the pick, Bob. I think that um, if you look at the Monday night game, what was the talk in the Monday night game? The, the talk on all the, the media channels was OBJ. The talk in this one is going to be Cam Newton. And I don't think either of them are top tier uh, NFL caliber players that deserve that much uh, conversation around them anymore. And yeah, I think that that Washington is going to sneak up and find a way to get that thing done. And, and, and as an underdog as well. I like that play. All right, guys. Uh, Monday night, we've got the New York Giants plus 11 at Tampa Bay. Early money is coming in on the Giants, about 57% of the action. I'm leaning towards the favorite here and Brady rebounding in this one. I'm going to see how the money shapes up later in the week. But, again, I like fading the public here, especially if they're betting against Tom. I think he's due for a big bounce-back game this week. Um and uh, so I'm, I'm leaning, I'm not taking it yet, but I'm leaning towards uh, Tampa Bay minus 11 which is a big number. Any thoughts on this one, jets? I mean, that's, uh, that's
1: a monster number in the NFL. That's, you know, that's one of those games where, you know, I remember a couple of weeks ago when the uh, jets were at Buffalo and it was a number, something like that. And everybody loaded up on it in the, in your loser pool and everybody got wiped out. It just, something smells a little fishy on 11 points, but the giants are, are uh, in a bit of a quandary as to, you know, how to get first downs right now. So.
0: And Tampa's, yeah. Tampa's pretty banged up, right? Yeah. Are they? No Gronk. I don't know what Antonio Brown's situation is right now, but I know he didn't play last week, uh, but if yeah. those two guys come back, I think it becomes a lot more realistic. So like I said, I think it's a little bit too early in the week to call that one. Um, but You know, we got all the way till Monday night. So I'm going to be following that closely as we get a little bit closer to that.
1: Yeah, and I think giving Tom an extra day to prepare is, is, uh, you know, carries more weight than giving other quarterbacks an extra day.
0: So Plus plus coming off maybe his worst game of the season, right? Or maybe the last two seasons.
2: Yeah, he's not going to look bad two weeks in a row.
0: Nope. All right, Bledsoe, take us to your home state. Uh, The Hawks are plus two and a half in Seattle against the Arizona Cardinals. The over-under in this game is 48 points.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's Kyler Murray, you know. Kyler Murray, I think, without Kyler Murray, uh, the Cardinals probably have three or four losses uh, at least. And here they are walking in. Uh, We've got Colt McCoy, who sounds like he's banged up a little bit, going into what I believe to be the best home field advantage in the NFL. If you've ever been to that stadium, it's the loudest place on earth. Um, And, you know, Russell Wilson's coming, you know, coming back home and uh, stepping in after a finger, you know, those guys, guys like Russell always come back ready to play. And, and I think, uh, you know, two and a half points is a lot coming in without Kyler Murray into that stadium.
2: Yeah. Especially if Cole McCoy doesn't play. Cause I don't know who that kid was playing. Yeah. I looked it on, up on Sunday when he came, when he went out. Yeah. I haven't heard of this guy. Yeah.
0: And we know Kyler's out for sure. Or is that something that we I a think player. he's.
2: I mean, I think
1: he's out for sure. Uh, the, oh, if they, okay. the next guy is a guy named Chris Strebler.
2: Yeah,
0: never heard of the guy. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, back, back to your point about uh, that being the loudest stadium um, in the league. I think I remember hearing somewhere that when that thing really gets going, it, it registers on the Richter scale. Yeah, for, they have uh, the
1: when, like when uh, Marshawn Lynch had that beast mode run where he's throwing dudes down. Yeah. It was registering registering on seismographs on the other side of the Cascade Mountains. Oh, wow. Wow. So it, it's legit. I mean, I was, I've been in a couple games in that stadium. And uh, when it's loud, you can yell as loud as you want to the person next to you, and, and you can't hear a word. It's the loudest place I've ever been, 100%. Hmm. Not a close and, second place.
0: And you think that's because of the design of the stadium or just how yeah. loud the fans are? Yeah.
1: I think it's, it's both, you know. It's, it's both, but it's definitely if you, I mean, you just, you don't have to be a physicist to look at that stadium and the way that it's shaped is made to focus sound on the field. So if it's that loud in the, in the you know, 300 level where I usually sit, it, I can't imagine how loud it is on the field.
0: And that, that's Paul Allen that, that did that thing?
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: All right, Bob, yep. close this out. Uh, the Chiefs are favored by two and a half points at home against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the under in this game is 56 points.
2: Yeah, I think this is going to be a pretty fun game to watch, actually, um, with, with Dak and Mahomes. We saw Mahomes play last week, you know, what we're used to seeing for the first time, I, I would say, this year. Um, you know, right now, I don't really – I don't love the spread, but I, I would take the Chiefs' money line at this point in time. Um, at home, I – you know, uh, everybody's just waiting for them to figure it out. And um, the Cowboys have been a little inconsistent. Um, but, you know, if they show up, I, I just I think if we get the best of both teams, I, I still like the Chiefs um, at home on the money line. I don't want to give up any points on this one. But so right now, that, that's the way I'm leaving.
0: What is the yeah, money line in this game?
2: Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, Two and a half,
0: probably what, what minus minus. Minus 140, minus minus Yeah, probably.
2: Yeah, yeah, nothing crazy. Um, but I, I think this will be a great football game. And uh, I just think now, you know, hopefully the Chiefs have a little momentum. They can build off of it and, and, and they can keep it going. Yeah, it seems like we've seen that kind of around the league this year. The
1: teams that are supposed to be great started off the season not. Teams out of nowhere that weren't supposed to be great started off the season really well. Then everybody kind of normalized as the season went on. And here we are. And now we're kind of getting to see the Chiefs be the Chiefs. And, you know, except for the Rams. <laughs> you know, the Rams are the head-scratcher right. for me. But seeing the Chiefs be the Chiefs, seeing the good teams kind of rise to the top like they like they should, like we thought they would at the beginning of the season after a little bit of a mix-up, you know, throughout the kind of the middle, middle part of the season.
0: I think we'll start to see the, those that we thought were going to be there in the end are going to be the ones that are there in the end as we get closer. And maybe, maybe the Indianapolis Colts. Because I, I, maybe I like the Colts. Your, I like your analysis of those guys.
1: They're my I, favorite to sneak into the playoffs for sure. Yeah, they're a good team.
0: Yep. All right, gents. Well, that's all the time we have uh, for today. Adam, uh, thanks for joining us. For all Anytime. you donkeys out there tuning in, please give us a follow at Armchair Donkeys uh, to get our weekly plays in real time on our Instagram story and hit that YouTube subscribe button to stay up to date with next week's episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Bob, I'll see you again in Boulder this weekend. Adam, uh, I hope to see you sometime soon, brother.
1: I'll get out there
2: sometime, yeah. Good to I'm see you, Bunzo. To.
0: You too, man. <laughs> Take right, boys.
2: Later, Bye. boys.